grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. as we gather together around God's Word and as we continue to emphasize this epiphany season that Jesus is the epiphany Lord who shines forth in all his glory as the true Son of God and Savior of the world. So to him be all the glory forever and ever. Our first lesson for this fifth Sunday in, in Epiphany is found recorded in the book of Exodus, chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. In the third month after the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, on that same day of the month they came to the wilderness of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai, they camped on, in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and to tell the people of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will carefully listen to my word and keep my covenant, then you will be my special treasure out of all the nations, although the, the entire earth is mine. You will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Moses went and summoned the elders of the people, and he set before them all these words the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together, Everything that the Lord has said, we will do. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson, which also serves as the basis for our sermon this morning, is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at the ninth verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At one time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and temporary residents in the world, to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh, which war against your soul. Live an honorable life among the Gentiles, so that, so that even though they slander you as evildoers, when they observe your noble deeds, they may glorify God on the day he visits us. The word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning at the 13th verse. These are the words of Jesus, a small portion of his Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its flavor, how will it become salty again? Then it is no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, they put it on a stand, 
and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine in people's presence so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Uh, amen, I tell you. Until heaven and earth pass away, not even the smallest letter, not even part of a letter, will in any way pass away from the law until everything is fulfilled. So whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Indeed, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and experts in the law, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at the ninth verse. I read these precious words once again. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At one time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents in the world to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh which war against your soul. Live an honorable life among the Gentiles so that even though they slander you as evildoers, when they observe your noble deeds, they may glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do you know who you are? It almost sounds like that's just a ridiculous thing to even ask. Of course you know who you are. You know your name. You know, you know where you live. You know your telephone number, or at least you can find it on the phone and you just hit the picture or the name. But at least you know where you work. You know who you are. No, but really, do you really know who you are? There are many people who are struggling to try to find themselves. They're finding themselves just devastated and horrified because they're not really sure who they are or even how they fit into society and, and in this world. Some even are struggling so much that they find that they're kind of trapped in this body. And, they're, and, they, and they just want to live being who they really are as they try to find who they are. So again, I ask the question, do you know who you are? And the answer to the question is actually rather a simple one, but we tend to make it harder than it needs to be. Because the good news and the great news is God tells us who we are. We don't need to find out who we are. God has made us who we are. God has blessed us with talents and abilities in who we are. It is the very God who has saved us 
That's who we are. And so the more you learn about the Lord and who he is and what he has done for you, the more and more you understand and believe and take to heart who you really are. And St. Peter, in his first letter, explains, spells it out perfectly, writing through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the things you must always keep in mind concerning who you are. Peter is writing to a group of congregations which is known as Asia Minor. Today it would be considered modern Turkey. He's writing to these congregations and these people because they're being terribly persecuted because of Christianity. Many of them even being put to death, suffering terribly, living in, in this pagan world and this unbelieving world. And one of the dangers of a suffering Christian is the fact that he can easily become a doubting one. So Peter takes an opportunity in his letter to these suffering Christians to remind them, but to remind us who are living in these end times and facing our own sufferings of who you really are. But the heart of understanding these words is tied up in the fact that who we really are is understanding that Jesus is the epiphany Lord. If you're not understanding that, then you'll never get who you really are. Jesus being our epiphany Lord is the one who shines forth in all his glory. He is the light of the world. He's the one that shines through the darkness of, of sin and hopelessness and despair and the fear of death and even hell itself. He shines through the darkness of living under the fear of God's punishment because God hates sin. He is the light that, that shines with hope and, and, and peace and comfort and joy because he is the one who lived that perfect life that we could not live. Being by nature sinful. And he suffered for the punishment of our sins, which we could not suffer and live. He paid for our sins in full. He won for us the forgiveness of sins. And understanding that, we can understand the words that are before us concerning who we really are. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession. Notice he doesn't say, you might be, you could be, you should be, you may be. He says, you are. This is a fact. And if God calls something a fact, it is not our place to tell God he's wrong. You are a chosen people, is the first set of words. You didn't choose him. You didn't have the free will to simply accept him in your heart. No, he chose you by nature as sinful human beings. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't even call Jesus as Lord. All of our works are filthy rags, as the prophet Isaiah put it. No, it is God who chose you. It is God who called you to be his very own. It is God who has saved you. And being saved 
means you are a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, being royal meant king or queen. Of course, priesthood refers to priests. These were two separate offices. But now to be called both of them? Royal? Part of God's royal family? Through faith in Jesus and all he's done for us? Trusting with that childlike faith? We're going to be in heaven as kings and queens, never hungry or thirsty again? Because he will provide for all of our needs? And to be a priest means we serve the great high priest, which is the Lord and Savior himself. Priests did two things. They interceded for people with prayer, and they offered sacrifices. But being priests, we have direct access to God. We don't need a mediator. We don't need someone else to pray in our behalf. We can go directly to the Almighty God. We have direct access to him because of the forgiveness of sins and the hope of everlasting life. You have direct access to God. And now we offer sacrifices, not dead sacrifices, like they did in the Old Testament, because all those sacrifices pointed to Christ, who made the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. But we do make living sacrifices, where our lives belong to the Lord, serve the Lord, obey his holy commands out of thankful love. And in addition, you are a holy nation. Holy means to be set apart. Another word for holy is saint. We even confess that in the Apostles, in the, in the Apostles' Creed. We speak of believing in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. To be declared holy by God who paid for our sins. And then knowing that the Holy Spirit is working through that gospel and word and sacrament, working to not only call us to faith, but keep us in that one true faith as we live for the Lord. This is who you are. And above all, your people who are God's own possessions, people who belong to the Lord and belong to the one true God. You don't live for yourself. This is not my body and I can do with it whatever I want. This is my life and I'm entitled to whatever I decide. I don't live catering to my feelings or what I think is best. I live to the word and what God's word says. And you'll never be able to live according to God's holy will if you don't know that word. Once again, I can't emphasize enough to be in the word, grow in that word, take to heart the word, because the Bible is God's word. And because you know who you are now, you know what you've been called to do. He says, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're here to proclaim, not only just to know our Savior, but to proclaim his holy name to others, to give him all the praise and the glory, and to do so knowing that our very Savior is our epiphany Lord, the only one who can be the Savior of the world, because he is 
the only one who is the Son of God and Son of Man. All of this of God calling us who we are, telling us who we are, and telling us what we've been called to do, all of this is purely done by the mercy and grace of God. I haven't done anything to earn this. I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of any of this. It is God by his mercy, that undeserved love. And Peter even emphasizes that when he writes, at one time you were not a people because we were born sinful human beings. Without the Lord, we're lost. But now you are a people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. These very words, by the way, sum up perfectly the Old Testament book from the prophet Hosea. Hosea was a prophet who was a contemporary of, of um, Amos and also a contemporary of Isaiah. Isaiah was preaching in the southern kingdom of Judah. Amos and Hosea were preaching in the northern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, they did not have one faithful king, not one faithful to the Lord. Oh, the pagan worship and the altars and the sacrifices that were made to false gods. And every time there's ungodliness, right with it there is wickedness. And especially wickedness seen in the way they treated one another. The Lord was so angry that he sent prophet after prophet because even in his anger, we see his grace and mercy telling these people to repent of their sins, but they would not listen. And so the Lord told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute because this was supposed to be an evidence or this was supposed to be an example of what Israel was doing to the Lord. They were prostituting themselves to false gods. And the Lord, who was their husband and their faithful husband, was being cheated on. And the firstborn, the firstborn son in his relationship with this prostitute, God commanded Hosea to call him, not my people. And then when he had a daughter, the Lord commanded him to call her not loved. These very words we hear here, because of unbelief, because of turning away from the Lord, you're not being my people, and you're not loved for what you are doing. But now you are. Because once again, God's Mercy and grace is not based on what you do and what you deserve or what you think God owes you. It's based on that undeserved love that we don't deserve, but God still pours it upon us. And so by his mercy, you are people who belong to God. And along with it, you are people who live for God. In fact, you live as aliens and temporary residents. He says, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents in the world to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh which war against your souls. We don't live serving ourselves as, as I said earlier. We live as people who know that heaven is not here on earth. We know that heaven is being with the Lord forever. We're
or sin or pain or suffering or death and all the things that sin has brought into the world and has cursed the world with. We live technically in tents, temporary, knowing that our citizenship is in heaven. That's home sweet home. That's our forever home. That's where we belong eternally. And therefore, my dear friends, abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh. Dr. Martin Luther said that the three enemies to our faith is the sinful world we live in, which loves to tell us, follow what everyone's doing. Satan, who definitely wants to lead us away from God and his word, and definitely to suggest God can't love you. And then there's our own sinful flesh that wars against the work of the Holy Spirit who works through that word in our hearts. Live for oneself, live for selfishness. Do it for yourself, because that's all that matters is yourself. Abstain from those sinful desires, which are oftentimes sexual by nature, but it can come in any form, and that form always being of selfishness. This is what wars against our very soul. So abstain from those sinful desires, because sinful desires lead to sinful actions. But holy desires lead to holy actions. So live a life that's noble in keeping with God's word. The word, the evil world that we live in, oh, they may see the deeds that you do to God's glory, and they may see it as evil. In fact, they may, you may find that they hate you because of who you are and where you stand and what's important and what really matters. And that's all glory to the Almighty. So live a noble and holy life, knowing that when people see the love of Christ and the light of Jesus burning in your heart, that they too may come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved and be ready for the coming of the Lord on the last day. My dear friends, you can't abstain from sexual desires and sinful desires. You can't even live a noble life unless you once again know that word. Take to heart that word. Read it, read it every day. Or as I heard someone said once, and I've said it here in the past, if you have to, steal it. Steal the time. Steal it from something else. Begin the day with the Lord. Every day take to heart his word. I just, I just received a phone call from a mechanic who has his own business here in town. And one of our, he wasn't even a member of our church, but always came to our church. And when we started making these spiritual vitamins, vitamins with the Bible passage on it, he would take those to several businesses. Out of all the businesses, after he passed away, did, never called us. And even when I called them, didn't get an answer back, except for this one mechanic. Again, who owns his own business. I just took a big handful of spiritual vitamins, and all it has on it is a Bible passage. And on the way out, he said, more people take that Bible passage and they'll read it and they'll say, boy, 
that's what I needed to hear today. Or they'll even come back and say, boy, I had that Bible passage in my mind, and boy, I could, I could apply it to what was going on in my day. And how amazing it is. We're making them like crazy to give to him because people are grabbing them. Take that word of God. Just even one passage. Hear it. Take it to heart. And above all, believe it. Because at the heart of that word is Jesus Christ. And when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ, you now know who you are. You are people who belong to God. And you are people who live for the Lord. And that is a divine fact. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.